Amen. Let's look in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2. I want to share a message entitled, Are You Close Enough to Experience a Miracle? And uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. And I want to apologize for our computers. Our computers never work when you want them to work. Amen. I was put my message on at 5 o'clock this morning, and uh, everything was working fine. I don't know what Pastor Dwana did when he got here. Amen. <laughs> but uh, we'll get those things fixed up for next week. 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, just a word of announcement. Remember, next Sunday evening, and after the evening service, is our annual church meeting. So if you're a member of the church, you need to be here. There's uh, voting issues we need to take care of. Uh, budgets, mission support, deacon appointment, and all that. So uh, make sure that you plan on being here uh, this next Sunday. That's uh, January the 17th, right after the evening service, is our annual church meeting. should not take but a few minutes to be able to cover the things that are going on. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, It came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou? that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, uh, Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will be taken away, uh, take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, hear, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to, unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. Before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taking, taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. 
And he saw him no more, and he uh, took hold of his own, own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in the house of God this morning to be able to study the word together. Uh, I'm thankful for the fellowship we can have uh, around the word. I'm thankful for the blessings of music this morning. Uh, God, and I, I'm just thrilled that uh, we can read about this event in the life of Elijah, this great miracle that he experienced uh, by the power of God. And Lord, I pray that you would tender our hearts and prepare us for what it is you want to do in us and through us. And I pray, God, that we'll be uh, close enough to you uh, that we might be able to experience that miracle. And so, Lord, I pray if there's someone watching by live stream or here in the building this morning who's not sure they're saved, Holy Spirit of God, will you touch their heart? Will you convict their soul? Uh, will you bring them to the cross that they might be gloriously born again? And God will give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verses, verse 10, says, And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken up from uh, t taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. I think of uh, what a great statement. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me taken up, it'll be so. And we talk about miracles, talk about God doing something miraculous in our life. Many times it is a hard thing that needs to be accomplished. But we experience the miracles in our lives because we're willing to be drawn close enough and near enough to the Lord that he might be able to uh, move and to bless us and deal with the issues that we're going through. Many people question God's ability to move in the real world in which we live. But the reality is God is still all-powerful. He's still on the throne. He can still work miracles in 2021. Uh, many times people question God's move and ability to work in the real world because they don't go to church. Uh, they certainly don't read their Bibles. Uh, their faith is weak at very best. Uh, they're not willing to encourage one another. They live a life that's completely removed from the principles of living a Christian life. And then they turn around and wonder why they don't have a miracle in their life. Now, may I submit to you that Elijah experienced a miracle because he was the one that stayed close to Elijah. And as he was close to Elijah, uh, he was able to see the fulfillment of God taking Elijah up into the heavens. And as a result of it, the power of Elijah, the spirit of Elijah fell upon him and he experienced a great revival, a great move of God, a great miracle in his life. James 4 and verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And over and over again, you see in the scriptures the reality that God will draw nigh to those who are willing to draw nigh to him. 
And in the presence of the Lord, there's always power and there's always strength. There's always an anointing and a move of God. And I thought about Amaziah. Uh, let's keep your finger here where we're at. But in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 25, um, uh, Amaziah experienced a great move of God and, and blessing of God on he and his reign over Judah. And um, uh, if I can get over there. In uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 25, we find that he was just a young man when he began to reign, because uh, 2 Chronicles 25, in uh, verse 2, uh, verse 1, it says, when uh, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. Then in verse 2, it says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, uh, but not with a perfect heart. And so here he's doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord, and uh, he has to do battle, and as he gets ready to do battle, he goes to Israel, who Israel, the two kingdoms, you got Judah and you got Israel, Israel was not right with God. And it tells us in verse 6, and I think this is why it says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Because when he needed to trust God and believe God and depend upon God completely for a miracle to give him the victory, he turns to Israel. And in verse 6 of chapter 25 of 2 Chronicles, it says, He hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. So he decided he's going to hire him an army to fight with them to be able to defeat the enemy. The problem is, uh, he was warned in verse 9, he was warned and reminded of God's ability. He did not need to turn to Israel. In verse 9, it says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. And this is oftentimes what happens in our life. We, we might be walking with God. We might be serving the Lord. We might be worshiping the Lord. But we always are turning to other means of support and backing us up. We're looking to other things or other people other than God to assure us that we're going to be able to accomplish the task before us because we forget that God is able to do more than someone else can do in your life. And so God warns him and reminds him of that. And, but the problem was, as he goes down to do battle in verse 14 of chapter 25, he turns to false gods. And that's the danger constantly. In verse 14, it says, Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites. So yeah, he hired the army. They went out and did battle. They destroyed the armies of the Edomites. And now after they had the slaughter of the Edomites, it says that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down himself before them and burned incense to them. There is always a danger when you turn to other means of support and backing to accomplish the task, the miracle that is set before you, that it will turn your heart away from God. 
And as a result of it, he set up false gods. Look at the outcome in verse 16. He lost the favor of God. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass, as he talked with him, the king said unto him, Art thou made the king's counsel forbear? Why shouldst thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. Uh, there just is always a, a clear outline of progression that if you want God to work a miracle in your life, then you must be drawing nigh to the Lord. You need to be walking with God and you need to be depending and trusting God and God alone. When you put your trust in other means and in other individuals and in other processes, what happens is uh, you might be successful in the short run, but in the long run, you lose the favor of God. Now, Elisha here is walking with Elijah, and uh, there is uh, some difficulties here uh, that he has to deal with in staying close to Elijah so as to experience the miracle that's going to take place in Elijah's life. Notice, first of all, we're hindered by distance. A miracle that is experienced in our life is hindered because of distance. In uh, verse 2, Elijah said to Elijah, tarry here. You understand that if he stayed at Gilgal, that would create distance between him and Elijah. It says also in verse 4, and Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here. Uh, in verse 6, it says, and Elijah said unto him, tarry. And then in verse 7, it says, And the fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood, they too stood by Jordan. And so here is the temptation is to distance ourselves from the Lord. Elijah is telling Elijah, listen, you don't need to continue to travel with me. Just stay here. No, no. Elijah said, I'm going with you. I'm not going to move away from you. The 50 prophets of the school of the prophets did not draw near to Elijah, but they stood far off from Elijah, and certainly they were not going to experience a miracle from God. So hindrance, hindered by distance is because we are tempted to tarry when God wants us to move on. We are tempted to tarry when it's going to require of us to put some effort in of following the man of God, of following the prophet of God, following the word of God, walking in the presence of God. It's going to take some effort, and there's always the temptation to tarry and wait rather than moving ahead for God. I think oftentimes what happens is that we forget uh, that God wants us to walk in faith, believing that we might not be able to see what's coming to pass, but by faith, we have eyes of faith that know that what God has promised, he'll bring it to pass. So there's a, always a temptation to tarry. Well, should I teach a Sunday school class? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll hold off on that. Uh, should I witness to this person? Well, maybe I'll, I'll just talk to him later on. Uh, should, I, should I get involved in giving the way God wants me to give? Oh, I'll just wait on that till I get in a better financial situation. We're always tempted to tarry. 
And whenever we tarry, we'll miss out on the blessing of God and experience a miracle from God. So it's hindered by distance. They're tempted to tarry. They're tested their loyalty. In verse 4, where I read there, he says, I would tarry here. And, uh, and so Elijah's response was, as uh, the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And so Elijah was loyal to Elijah. And uh, he, he followed the prophet of God. Uh, he served the prophet of God. Uh, he knew that God was about ready to do something in the life of the prophet of God. And he just was not going to turn his back and being unfaithful to the prophet of God. And so when we talk about hindrances to a miracle, there's a temptation to tarry. But loyalty is always tried and tested. And, uh, you know, it's always, I know when I started the church back in 1984, I had people come out to church and right away they would say, well, uh, you know, well, you, you don't have a youth group. Uh, you don't have a choir. Uh, you don't have this and you don't have, well, you know, you're just starting a church. You don't have anything but yourself and maybe some people. Amen. And uh, but people have a tendency rather than following the leading of God and building the work of God, being involved in the work of God, believing God for a miracle, uh, they'll run and go somewhere else. They'll go do something else. And, you know, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000, and he dealt with his disciples after everyone was filled and they were satisfied. Uh, they got up and they all left. And Jesus turned to his disciples and asked them a tremendous question. He said, will ye also go away? And what a tremendous question. Why? Because there is always getting ready for a miracle that God's going to perform. There is always the question, are you going to stay there long enough for God to work a miracle? And Elisha is going to stay with Elijah until the miracle comes. And so we see there's temptation to tarry uh, where we should be moving ahead. Uh, we're tried and tested in our loyalty and commitment to God and to the prophet of God. But then we're also tried by others. In uh, verse 6 of our chapter, this is 2 Kings chapter 2, says, Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here for the Lord has sent me to Jordan, and he said, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. There's always people who are going to stand afar off to think they have a better view or a better understanding of the situation. It's always amazing to me how quickly people are willing to make decisions for their spiritual life, for their personal walk with God, based on somebody who's standing afar off, somebody who's, uh, that's removed from the situation, someone who is not committed to Christ, we're willing to listen to someone like that. Now, we'll always be tried by others, and certainly as we read through the chapter, uh, several times in the chapter, it mentions the sons of the prophets questioning Elijah and confronting Elijah about, Elisha about his decision to stay with Elijah. 
And so we are always tried by others. So there's hindrance in distance. The farther you get away from the Lord, the less likely you'll experience a miracle. The farther you get away from your devotions and your commitment to God, the less likely you'll experience a miracle because you'll not be looking for it, you'll not be prepared for it, you'll not be ready for it, and as a result of it, it'll pass you by. Elijah is going to experience a miracle, but the 50 sons of the prophets aren't going to experience any miracle. And I'm afraid many times there's that one person who's drawing nigh to God will experience some mighty things going on in their life, and then uh, there'll be others that'll be questioning it because they didn't experience it themselves. You know, it's just been interesting being in ministry for the amount of years I've been uh, saved and in ministry. Is people who complain are people who don't do anything. People who question what God is doing are people who are not involved in what God is doing, so they don't see what is happening. And as a result of it, they miss out on the miracle of what God wants to do in their life and in their ministry. So I'm just saying this, are you close enough to experience a miracle? Uh, there's going to be a hindrance, and the hindrance to it is distance. The farther you're away from it, the farther you're removed, the less likely you're going to be able to experience a miracle. So I see hindered by distance. Number two, I see this. Negative discussion. Uh, you want somebody to rob you of the experience of having a great uh, miracle happen in your life, just get around people who have a negative talk or discussion about what's going on. Notice in verse 3, uh, in verse 3, it says, The sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. So first of all, I just see this. Uh, he, the negative discussion is, Elijah, why are you, why you continuing on with Elijah? You, you, are you aware of the fact that the Lord is going to be taking your prophet away from you today? So what are they saying? They're saying, don't continue with Elijah because your leader is going to be taken away. And I like Elijah's response because if you're going to put it in uh, the, the language of New Jersey, is he said this, yay, I know it, shut up. <laughs> and I'm afraid sometimes that's what we need to do. If you want to experience a miracle, the person who's always complaining, the person who's always downgrading the opportunity, the person who's always calling in question what God can and will do just needs to be told, why don't you just shut up? You're not going to rob me of the blessing of experiencing a miracle and by causing me to refuse to continue on the path God has put me on because of the fact that he's going to bring some changes in my life. What a major change Elijah was going to have to experience when Elijah would be removed. And changes, listen, miracles are ready to take place in our life at the very moment a major change is coming. And I just know this, that our negative discussion 
will rob you of the opportunity to continue to get to the place where God can move and work his miracle. So they're just saying this, don't continue. Notice in verse 5, it says, And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho. So he had to run into the sons of the prophets in Bethel. Now they're in Jericho, and here comes the Bible college kids again. And uh, it says, And the sons of the prophets that were in Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know, hold your peace. Two aspects here of this negative discussion. Since God's going to do something in your leader's life, as far as he's going to be removed, and because of the fact that your Lord will be gone and not, no longer with you, then what's the sense in you continuing on in your life? What's the sense in you continuing to follow the instruction that you had received before? And I listen, I've seen this over and over again. Whenever there's changes of leadership within a church, people will just stop going to the church. The church doesn't cease to be the church because there may be a change in leadership. Now, you don't have to worry about that because I ain't going anywhere, but amen. I double dog dare you, amen. I'll hold on for the rest of my life. Oftentimes, people will listen to somebody who says, I wouldn't keep going to that church. You know, you know, God's not blessing that church anymore. You don't want to be over that church. And God's ready to do a miracle, and you miss out on the miracle. They can get on you about, oh, well, I, if I were you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to what that Bible says. You know, that Bible has errors in it. Oh, no, no, no. When you open up the Bible that's true from the beginning to the end, you read the Bible, you believe God, and you continue to follow what God has so stated I don't understand how generation after generation people think that the Bible changes with the generations. The reality is God's commands do not change. It's solid, it's foundational, it's sure. And so I don't listen to the negative discussion about the opportunity to be able to experience a miracle. I'm glad that Elijah said, you know, you keep hounding me, telling me stop following and stop uh, uh, committing myself and, uh, uh, to my uh, prophet Elisha. But I'm going to tell you right now, you just need to be quiet because I'm going to continue on. And there, listen, there is all kinds of negative influences in life that will cause you to turn your back on Christ. Right. Keep walking with the Lord because God is, is about ready to do a miracle. So I see hindered by distance, I see negative discussion, and then verse 8, 9, and 10, I see this, an expressed desire, an expressed desire. Notice in verse 8, Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. I see, first of all, expression of desires based upon a demonstration of power. You know, Elisha uh, was still the man of God. God was about ready to take him to glory, but he still had the power of God up to the end of his existence on this earth. And I, I, listen, Christians, I believe 
that God has a mighty miracle to work in our lives, and that is the power that saved us, is the power that secures us, and is the power that will use us. All we need to do is be like Elijah and be ready to release the power of God every time he gives us the opportunity. Notice in verse 9, the discussion of purpose says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elijah, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let me let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. So there's a discussion here, a discussion about what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want to experience? You, you've denied the conversations with the uh, sons of the prophets. You've denied my admonition for you to tarry and to wait. Uh, you're still continuing across the Jordan with a miracle before us as the waters are divided. Elijah, just exactly why are you here? What is it you want? You know, isn't it great to be able to get to a point where we sense that God is finally telling us or responding to us, okay, I, I, you, you won't leave me, you won't reject me, you won't deny me, uh, you're walking with me, you love me, you worship me. You, what is it that you want? Ask and it shall be given unto you. And so literally here is Elijah, discussion with Elijah about the purpose. Why? What is the purpose of you walking with me, Elijah? And Elijah responds, hey, I want a double portion of the spirit that you have on me. There's a determination of experience in verse 10. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. I may just say this. Don't be afraid to ask hard things of God. Don't be afraid to have faith to believe the impossible. He said, it's a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee... It shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be. So determination of the experience. And so if God has power to be released upon us, and we understand what it is we're desiring to experience, are you wanting the power of God to be upon you? Are you wanting uh, the move of God to be strong upon you? Realize this, if you'll continue on in faith believing that God can you can experience a miracle from God as he releases his power. Here's a great quote, Elijah didn't ask for worldly honor. God is not interested in us being of renowned existence in the world in which we live. Elijah did not ask for worldly honor or for a high place among men. What he really desired was a large measure of the Holy Spirit that God had so freely placed upon the prophet Elijah. If God can place his spirit on those in the past, then bless God can put his spirit on us today. And I believe that with all my heart, that God can work a miracle. In 2 Chronicles, in chapter 1 and verse 10, you know, God came to Solomon and said, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for prestige. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for a political clout. He didn't ask for anything, but God, give me wisdom that I can judge thy people. 
And God granted to him, and we even today acknowledge the fact that Solomon, Solomon is considered to be the wisest man in the Bible. And why is that? Because God will respond to express desire to work a miracle in your life. I just, I just think oftentimes we miss out on the miracles because we're not willing to express that desire before the Lord. The reason why is we, we, we have a kind of in the back of our mind a questionable disclaimer. Well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, why can't we just believe God for a miracle? I believe that God can do something miraculous. So I see hindered by distance, negative discussion, expressed desire. But then in verse 11, 12, and 13, I see an exercise devotion. Notice in verse 11, it came to pass as they went on. And I, I just wrote this down in my notes. They still went on. I, we, uh, we have COVID-19. We're still going on. We have elections, whether you agree with elections or you don't elect, agree with the elections. We're still going to go on. Uh, they talk about how many churches aren't going to be able to keep their doors open and all this, that, and the other. Wait a minute. We're still going to go on. They didn't stop going because of the opposition. They didn't stop going because of the questions. They didn't get, stop going because of the fact they weren't sure of how it was going to come to pass. They just still kept going. I believe God's looking for Christians who are going to just keep going on for his glory. So I put down continuation. They still went on. Then there's communication. It says here, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked. Uh, just a little talk with Jesus makes it all right. Amen. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop sharing with the Lord your burdens. Don't st stop communicating what it is that the Lord you desire of the Lord to do in your life. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it's considered to be one of the great miracles in the Bible because it's recorded in all of the Gospels. Jesus said this, when he got ready to feed the 5,000, he said this, bring them hither to me. Closeness. A miracle is about ready to take place. Where are they going to experience the miracle? By coming close to Christ. I'm going to tell you, you don't get a miracle from God by running away from him. You get a miracle from God because of the fact that you're running towards him. And so he says, bring them hither. You know, there was a young boy that was uh, possessed of a demon that Jesus was going to cast the demon out. The disciples couldn't do that. And in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. If you want to be able to experience a miracle in your life, you're going to have to draw a lot nigh to Jesus Christ. And so he says, they walked along, still traveling, still talking. And then I see the separation takes place. In verse 11, it says, And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. What a great miracle. Chariots of fire and horses of fire. I tell you, there's always a miracle waiting when you deal with the fire of God. You know, Lot, Lot, Lot uh, experienced the fire of God because the Sodom and Gomorrah would not repent of their sin. And fire fell from heaven and burned up those cities. Uh, you know, the children of uh, Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
experienced the fire of God uh, when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But Jesus Christ was within the fiery furnace with them, and a great miracle was experienced. You know, the, the disciples, the apostles on the day of Pentecost experienced the fire of God as the fire from heaven fell upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm just saying this. When the chariots of fire and the horses of fire show up, there's nothing else to experience but a whirlwind that takes you up into heaven. And I'm thankful that we have the experience of Elijah that helps us to understand what the rapture is going to be like. There's going to be a great separation one day when the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. I'm telling you, that's a miracle that I'm expecting to take place. Yea, in my lifetime, I'm expecting it. I'm not expecting it for the next generation. I'm expecting it for me. Amen. You say, well, what if it doesn't take place? I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep talking to the Lord. I'm going to keep believing God for a miracle, and God can work it when he's ready to do it. Amen. So I see continuation, communication, separation. I see in verse 12, distress at the departure. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, my father, my father. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. The distress of the departure. Uh, I think this tells us that before God works a miracle, there'll be a time of distress in our life. The miracle of God moves beyond our frailties, and whenever there's distresses in our life, get ready for God to bring a miracle. When distresses are overwhelming you in life, don't run away from God. Continue close to God because he's ready to send a miracle in your life. I see in verse 13, delight in the mantle. In verse 13, he says, and this is Elijah, he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. He was glad to get Elijah's mantle. Uh, you know, we, li we live in an era of history where we think anything that is old or tradition or out of date, so to speak, isn't good for us. And we want to redefine everything. We want to reestablish everything. You know, I'm glad that Elijah... When Elijah was taken up, didn't say, well, you know what? We're going to change some things around here now because I'm in charge. He didn't change anything. He just went back, got the mantle from Elijah, and went to the same place that they had crossed over Jordan. And so sometimes I'm not against change, and I'm not against new things taking place. I'm for whatever God leads and directs, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Just because something was done in the past doesn't mean it won't work in the present. The God who worked miracles in the past is the God who will work miracles in the present. And it's like we want to redefine God and redefine his abilities. And wait a minute, God just wants us to draw near to him so he can start showing himself powerful and true and alive in our life. So I see hindrance by distance, negative discussion, expressed desire, exercise devotion, and then verse 14 and 15, I see power duplicated. That's the one I want to get to. 
Uh, in verse 14, it says, He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. And when the sons of the prophets that were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on, uh, on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. I see several things here. Power duplicated. Notice the same action in verse 14. Elijah had taken his mantle and smit the waters. Elijah, when he comes back, he takes that mantle that was precious to him and he smites the waters of Jordan. And as he smites the waters of Jordan, uh, the waters are divided asunder and he's able to walk across on dry ground. I see the duplication of power in that it came from the same God. He didn't cry out to a different God. Uh, he cried out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We don't need to embrace these different movements uh, in the world, religious movements. We don't need to embrace these uh, different Eastern mystical type of things. We don't need to embrace these false gods that the world is uh, setting up. And, and listen, Noah, the, people may pray publicly to false gods, but that doesn't mean we got to follow after the false gods. My cry this morning is, wait a minute, Lord, where is the God of Elisha? Where is the power of the miracle-working God who can move on our behalf as he did in the life of Elisha and the life of Elisha? Notice there's also the same obstacles. When they were traveling, they came to the Jordan and they parted the waters and walked over on the other side. When Elisha came back, the same obstacle was there. I'm going to tell you, there, there, when the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, there isn't anything new under the sun. The obstacles they had to overcome years ago in Christianity are the same obstacles we have to overcome today. We say, well, look what they did in years gone by. They did it by the power of God. And they faced the obstacles that came before in their lifestyle, in their generation. And bless God, we have the same obstacles that we have to overcome uh, as a believer and follower of Christ. And then I see there was the same reaction. In other words, when he took the mantle and he, he smote the waters of Jordan, the waters parted, the same reaction. So the power of God that rests on us enables us to do a miracle. We can expect to experience the same thing that God did in the past. If God could bring the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, bless God, he can bring us out whatever bondages we have in our life. If, it, listen, if God could uh, bless uh, the children of Israel and establish them as a nation and a people, then certainly he can do that in our life. And if, listen, if the early church in the book of Acts could experience an anointing and move of the Spirit of God, that showed it was not man, but it was God who was building his church, then we can experience it in 2021. Power that is duplicated. I'm not looking for a new thing. I'm just looking for the old thing that God did in the past. And I'll tell you one thing right now. If we can live by the power of the Spirit of God, uh, we can experience a miracle from God. The question just simply is this. Are you close enough? Are you close enough to experience a miracle? 
I do not, listen, I do not believe that God's going to send a miracle from heaven if we keep running from him. I don't believe that God's going to send a miracle from heaven if the church keeps turning to the government for its support. I do not believe that God's going to send a miracle if all we do is look at trends and, and movements and things like that that are in this world. Listen, the Christian does not live like the world. The Christian does not respond to the problems that are in the world the way the world responds to them. We respond on our knees, drawing nigh to God, pleading with him to work a miracle and do something that we cannot do. And I believe that he can do it, but I know this. He ain't going to do it until I get close to him. He isn't going to do it until we draw nigh. The prophets, sons of the prophets did not experience a miracle. All those who watch Elijah and Elijah going from Gilgal to Bethel, to Jordan, to, uh, uh, to Jericho, to Jordan. I was going to map that out for you. I'm glad I didn't because the thing ain't working. <laughs> but they went from Gilgal. I had thought about this. Gilgal was the first place they settled when they came across Jordan, when they came out of bondage in Egypt. They went from Gilgal. They went up to Bethel, which is the place of what? The house of God. They went from Bethel down to Jericho. Uh, the first great city that was destroyed by the power of God, Jericho. They came back to the Jordan River, and as they were at the Jordan River, it's where Israel had come across after God had chastised them and drew them in faith and brought them into the promised land. And Elijah would part the waters like Elijah did. I'm just saying this. There is a path. There is a procedure. There is a following of God that has to be experienced before the miracle will come. We got to be willing to put in the time and pursue the Lord and develop a faith that believes that we're ready to receive a miracle from God. Are you close enough? So I just, I've I just been kind of moving away from what I'm preaching tonight. You might not, I might know I'm going to tell you, you might not come back. I'm preaching tonight on a message on re, backsliding and repentance. And until, until we repent, until we return to the Lord, until we pursue Christ, and that's you on the internet also. There's not going to be no miracle. The difference was Elijah stayed close enough to Elijah so he could get the miracle. May that be our heart's drive, amen, to pursue the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. We believe in the power of God Almighty to do things that are beyond man's control. And Lord, we come in faith, believing and pleading for you to work a miracle in our midst. We want to see people saved. We want to see believers in Christ growing and maturing. Lord, we want to see uh, our nation on their knees before God. Uh, Lord, we, we, want, we want to see literally a move of God that closes the mouths of the ungodly false gods of this world and God we're believing you for mighty things this morning you said ask and it shall be given unto you we're asking and we're asking in faith but Lord we're going to draw near to you we're going to pursue God almighty 
And Lord, we're praying we work a miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.